Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Unqualified Talk. If I sound, well, first of all, if I sound tired, it's because I literally got doggy dookie sleep last night. Um, and secondly, if I sound really good audio wise, it's because I recently was gifted a new mic. Wade Hogue, if you're listening, thank you so much for this mic. It's amazing. Um, the mic I had before, it's not like it was bad, but not as nice as this one. And now I have two. So if in the future I want to have, you know, people come on to the show, that's something that I could do. So thank you again, Wade, so much. And with that, let's get into today's topic, which is my anxiety story. Um, I want to preface this with, this is something I still struggle with. It's an everyday battle, um, but I've learned so much from it, and I just wanted to share my story with you guys in hopes that if you struggle with, you know, mental health, maybe some of these things can help you out or, you know, make you feel a little better because sometimes I think that when we struggle with things like this, we feel we're alone, and in reality, that's not the case. So I want to start by defining what stress versus anxiety is. So stress is the physical or mental effects of, you know, being stressed out, which could be fatigue, irritability, digestive trouble, trouble sleeping, those types of things. So the actual, like, effects that you feel. Whereas anxiety is the persistent, excessive worries that don't go away, even without a stressor. So anxiety can just happen without any cause, which is something that happens to me often. A lot of times I wake up with just anxiety and I have no idea why, which is honestly more annoying than having, you know, or knowing what the the cause is. Anyways, um, so let's go back in time to when I was a kid. So growing up, I was a very nervous person when it came to sports. Um, Before any sporting event, the nerves were always flowing, always pretty high. My dad is the same way. Um, But I didn't really, you know, at the time think, oh, this is anxiety. I just thought it was nerves. I, the the inside joke was, where's the bathroom? That's the first thing Emily's going to need when we get here. Because it's true. Like, I... I don't think I've ever gone a game, and practices were, practices were fine. It was I'm talking about games. Um, I don't think I've ever gone to a game without having to use the bathroom before. And what I mean by use the bathroom is a number two, not a not a number one, a number two. Um, so, you know, I had that as a kid, but I didn't really understand or link it to because I had no idea what anxiety was when I was young. Um, I had test anxiety a little bit, but not really. I was pretty confident in my school and my abilities to, you know, perform on a test. I got lots of nervousness, jitters, anxiety when anytime there was drama with my friends. That's why I hated it as a kid. I hated being in conflict because it made me feel, you know, a really weird way that I didn't understand and I just avoided it as much as possible because I dreaded that feeling of like the butterflies in your stomach, just feeling sick, like just so nervous, can't sleep that 
I definitely experienced that when I was younger. Um, I'm a perfectionist at heart. I hate when I do things wrong. Um, I used to stress a lot about what others thought of me. That I don't struggle with as much anymore. Of course, it's always there a little bit, but I was just very hard on myself. I never wanted to do anything wrong. I thought if I did anything wrong, I was a failure or, you know, just thought everyone was going to think badly of me and I really cared about what everyone thought. And so I, I think that got worse. It wasn't as bad, but definitely into high school, that perfectionism got way worse. And that I think has to do with my OCD that I have. But of course, back then, I didn't know what the hell these things were. Like I didn't know what anxiety was or panic attacks were. Um, so I get into high school my freshman year and my one of my very close friends, she struggles with anxiety too, but hers is more social anxiety. And I remember she was actually sent home from having a panic attack at school. And I just had no idea what that meant and why, you know, it was such a big deal. And this is the problem with mental health for people, you know, who have never experienced it. You can't comprehend what it's like to have a panic attack until you have a panic attack, in all honesty. Like, people can try to explain it to you, but it's so different for every single person. For some people, it feels like they're dying. For others, it just, you know, is this, like, rage of feelings. Um, For me, I don't don't personally think I'm going to die. I have a lot of friends who, when they get panic attacks, that's how they feel. Um... For me, it's just like the thoughts won't stop in my head and I don't know how to make them go away. But it's just, it's so hard. Sorry about that. It's so hard explaining, you know, depression or anxiety to people who, you know, have never experienced it. And so that can be a tough topic to talk to other people about or to get them to, you know, understand like this is a serious problem for me. Um, so I'm fine freshman year. Fine sophomore year, I was playing volleyball, basketball, softball and track, you know, was always very nervous before events that I had to compete in, didn't have test anxiety at all, Um, and then my sophomore year summer, going into my junior year, we had a team volleyball camp, and to preface before this camp in the fall season, we went to state. And I did really, really well up until, you know, state. And I did fine at state, but I was a setter. And I think the last game at state, I got called one time for double touching a ball, which if you don't know what that means, it's basically when you contact the ball, you're only supposed to touch it once, both of your hands at the same time. A double touch is when you, you know, it's like a one-two, one hand hits first before the other, and then they call that. So she called me once and I was fine. Then she continued to call me, even on balls that weren't double touches, because I know what a double touch is. I knew at that point, and at that point, I just felt like that ref was out for me. (laughs) I don't know, but I got started to get really down on myself. It was a very, you know, intense game. We were at the state tournament. Um, I think we placed fourth. I don't remember, but she kind of got into my head, and then ever since then, I struggled. So I went to this team camp in the summer at uh, ASU and literally could not set a ball for the life of me. 
physically could not set the ball. Like it was, it was as if I had never, you know, touched a volleyball in my life. And I'm not meaning to brag or, you know, put myself on a high shelf, but I was very good at setting. I was an all-state setter. And so for that to be happening to me, I just like wasn't understanding. And then the thoughts started. The really, really negative, horrible thoughts. I'm not good enough. Why is this happening to me? What's wrong with me? You know, why do I suck? My team's going to hate me. All just, just, I'm sure worse than that. And, you know, a lot of this is blocked out because it was such a horrible time for me. And anyways, I finished that camp and it was just, it was so bad. (laughs) It makes me sad to think about it because I just, I didn't understand what was happening to me at all. So we finished that camp. We go back, um, we start training and school starts and the season's about to start. And we have this opener game that we do where all the parents come and we basically just scrimmage against each other. I remember being so nervous before that, like tweaking out, like shakes and everything um, in the bathroom. So I go out to, you know, play and I get myself so amped up that I have a panic attack and not even like very many balls in. And I just, you know, basically think I'm going to pass out. So I have to, you know, go off the court and they lay me down and a nurse who was there comes and she goes, you're okay. You're just having a panic attack. And I was like, whoa, what? What do you mean? What is that? Like, I, I don't understand. And basically she, you know, said that your, your body is just really juiced up right now. And really, you know, I don't even like, it's like, I don't like when you're really, really excited for something, but in a bad way. And so I was just like shocked and so upset and so mad at myself. I felt so embarrassed because I was in front of all these parents that I knew they didn't understand, you know, what had happened. I just felt absolutely horrible. And I hate thinking of that day because it it's just not good memories. Um, so from there, that year is basically blocked out in my brain sports-wise because they still had me set and I it was miserable. Every game was horrible. I just remember, you know, hating myself, then hating the sport, never wanting to play again, never wanting to set a ball again. Like if you can hear it in my voice, it's kind of quivering because it just like, it makes me so sad and so frustrated that I didn't know how to help myself basically. Um, so I go that whole year, I play school and then I do club in Portland where I was put on as a setter but they switched me over to defense and hitting because I just, I simply could not, (laughs) simply could not. I, you know, just really didn't know what was happening. And I was very open with my coach and I'm still very close to the, to that coach to this day, my club coach. And it's just crazy because now when I see her and I set a ball, she's like, yeah, you had some really, you know, intense stuff going on (laughs) back then, obviously. Um, so 
then I, you know, finished that season and I was going to therapy at the time. I decided I need to figure this out. So I went to, I started therapy probably in November of that year after my uh, school season. And it was very helpful in understanding that this is not something that only I experience. A lot of athletes get performance anxiety. I don't know if you guys watched the Olympics this past year, I think, where um, Simone Biles had to stop competing because she had such a bad mental blockage that, you know, she's throwing crazy dangerous stuff. She's not setting balls. She's like spinning and doing tricks in the air. And she had to stop because it was getting to a point that it was so dangerous for her because she was being so negative in her head and, you know, was letting these intrusive thoughts just take over to the point where she was forgetting how to, you know, turn herself in the air, something she had probably done thousands and thousands of times. But it just shows how powerful our brains can be when we let them, you know, take control. And something I learned in therapy that I still, you know, remind myself to this day is you cannot let your brain be the driver. You have to take control and, you know, figure out what works for you to make those thoughts stop and be positive with yourself. And trust me, it's still an ongoing battle for me, but it is much better. So I did the therapy thing. And after my junior year, I was like, no, I'm not playing volleyball in college. I don't want to do that. Pretty much over the sport at this point. And then my senior year, I played school ball and they moved me to a hitter. So I was no longer studying, which thank the Lord for that, because it would have been another miserable season had I, you know, been setting because I still like wasn't at a point that I could do it in a game at all. Like I would avoid it. I would, you know, pass, step back and pass so that I didn't have to set a ball. Um, so I'm playing and then I decide to play club for the same coach and I'm a hitter now. And I'm at one of my tournaments my senior year, and um, a college coach from the college I decided to go to came up to me, and she said, hey, like, I think you're really good. Would you want to come do a visit? Blah, blah, blah. So I do that. I end up committing to Lynn Benton. So I go to college, and um, backstory on that, school didn't start till September, And we had to go down there in July, end of July, to start training for two months. And, you know, I was a freshman. It was a very scary, nerve-wracking time. My anxiety was already juiced about, you know, moving to a different place, um, not having any friends, not having school start to keep me busy, basically just, you know, doing eight hours of volleyball every day. And... Not to mention I had just gotten broken up with from my very first boyfriend who I had been dating my whole senior year. So there was just a lot. There was a lot on my plate, a lot going through my brain. And obviously I got very depressed and very anxious. And so um, we start training and something that, you know, we really practiced was all skills. My coach wanted us to be good at every single skill, hitting, setting, um, passing, defense, 
And so one of the drills was just setting. It was, it was like two different, four different lines, two on each side of the net, and you had to set across. <laughs> like, and we did it for a specific amount of balls and rallies. I don't know, it was a very complex drill, but it was only setting. And yep, I was the one who, if anybody from that team is listening, you will remember this and you will be like, oh, I, yes, I remember that. I feel so bad. I was the one who was stopping the drill anytime the ball came to me, double touching, like was so frustrated and I um, actually broke down and cried. I don't remember how many times we had tried to do it or if this was the first time we'd ever done the drill or whatever, but I legit broke down and cried and had a panic attack at practice in front of all these new people that I didn't know. Um, yeah, pretty traumatizing event, honestly, like thinking back on it, it makes me, you know, very upset to think about that. Um, so yeah, that got bad. And then, uh, I just, you know, would come in early, would set with the assistant coach that I got very close with because, you know, she didn't, she didn't understand anxiety at all. But with that said, she really helped me, you know, get through it and prove that I can do it and that I was good at it. And, you know, like a couple times didn't define the skill for me. And I actually like broke through and was able to set hundreds of balls perfectly um, just by working with her and coming in early. She really... I owe a lot to her for that because it takes a lot of patience when you're dealing with somebody who, you know, is being super hard on themselves and wanting to give up. Um, but yeah, so as I was doing that, I was all, I also restarted um, therapy with my same therapist and um, things got a lot better and she suggested that I get on medication. And so I did. I got on an antidepressant, anti-anxiety med and then one that basically just, if I was ever feeling really anxious, it would slow my heart rate down and, you know, kind of help me chill out. Um, so I was on those for majority of my freshman year of college. Um, and that was when I started to experience test anxiety it was my freshman year of college, which really sucked uh, because I was just like, why now? Like, these are really hard courses. Like, I, I know that I can do it, but why am I doubting myself? But my freshman year was just a big learning experience, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, it's part of my story and identity with anxiety and OCD. And, um, yeah, it was just a very different time, though, for sure. So after the two years of volleyball... I, you know, I played two years at LB. The second year went great regardless of COVID. Like I'm talking skills wise and where I was at mentally, I was, you know, very stable. Um, and then I decided not to play a third year and I kind of thought, okay, you know, I'm no longer an athlete. I'm no longer needing to perform. Maybe my anxiety will stop. You know, maybe that was the only thing that was causing me a lot of stress was having to perform in these sporting events 
no, I was wrong. I was very wrong. And that's when I realized that I didn't just have performance anxiety. I just had anxiety, point blank, period, about anything in life, ever. Um, so that was also the time that uh, I was going back to school once again. So I finished my second year um, after COVID and then moved back down to Corvallis in September. So now I'm talking about this past year. And boy, let me tell you, a lot of growth and progress was made. And I'm very excited to share this part of the journey because, you know, start on one side, but you always come out on the other in a more positive manner, or at least in my case, I feel much better. But um, when I moved down in September, things got very bad again. And at this point, it was more like my depression got really bad, which then, you know, caused my anxiety to trigger and flare up. And I let it go way too far this time. And I should have, you know, reached out and restarted meds and got help a lot sooner than I did. I'm thankful that I even, you know, did it. Because this was the first time I've ever experienced, I've talked to other people about this, but sometimes when you're really low, it's almost addictive. Like, it's almost like you want to just sink and sulk in the horrible negative things. And I don't know why we do this. I don't know why this is something, you know, because we all, we obviously in our human existence, we want to try to be as happy as we can. But for some reason, I just like did not want to get help. I, you know, liked being down. And that sounds so weird now that I think about it, but my brain was just at such a weird place and I just didn't understand anything that was happening within it. And so, yeah, it took me too long to go get help. I struggled, you know, I let myself struggle for way too long. Um, but I think, let me, let me explain why I think some of the causes of this were happening. So first of all, life felt very redundant um, when I moved back down. I basically felt like, you know, I was waking up doing the same thing every day. Seasonal depression hit. I got really bad in like um, October, November when, it, you know, the sun, there was no sun. Um, I just, you know, I was literally waking up, going to the gym, going to school, coming home, going to bed, like doing the. It felt like Groundhog Day to me. And I lived in the basement of my house, which also did not help at all. There was no sunlight, no light, period. And, you know, it was just this gross, grimy basement. And my OCD was really bad when it came to my house, the cleanliness of my house. Something I struggle with and I'm a lot better with now is when things aren't clean, it causes me a lot of anxiety and, you know, it makes me get really frustrated and these, like, really bad thoughts come into my head when that happens. And so I was living with, you know, four boys. And I don't think I had really, you know, prepared myself for what that was going to be like. And so for it to happen all at once was just, like, too much for me. And I didn't know how to process it or deal with it. So it just, you know, made me turn really negative. And... Then when that all that was happening, I just felt like my friends hated me, my boyfriend hated me. I felt like 
I wasn't doing a good job at balancing my time between both of them. I just felt like everyone was mad at me and everyone was like plotting against me basically. (laughs) That sounds like horrible because no one was doing that, but it's just how I felt. And I worried about things that I would say. Like I remember like meeting with friends and having these social interactions and after just like processing everything I said and I just remember thinking like, oh, I was so annoying. Like, why did I say that? Just really, really bad. And I was basically concerned about everyone else but myself and the way that I was feeling and the way that I was doing. I, you know, was thinking that, you know, I was feeling this way because everybody else hated me. When in reality, like, I just needed to go get some help. I really needed to talk to somebody and, you know, figure out what was going on. So that's when I decided to, first thing I did was quit social media. Another thing that was, you know, causing me a lot of anxiety was seeing all these people on Instagram, like, traveling during the winter break. I talked about this in my social media episode. That did not help. I, you know, felt like a piece of shit. I felt like, um, you know, why can't I do all these cool things and travel to all these cool places that I want to be at and everybody else is doing it? Like, what's wrong with me? And um, so I stopped social media, did that for a month. And at the same time, I started therapy again and got on a different type of medication. Because the one from before, it was having some funky side effects on me. And so I decided to switch to a different one. And it it was really good for me. It worked really well. And things got much better. I This type of therapy was a lot different. It was the same therapist. But it's interesting when I think back and look at my notes from, you know, my different sessions that I had based on what age I was. Like, my first two were more, you know, performance-based, like, why is this happening? Whereas this past one was, like, kind of looking into my childhood and realizing, like, some of my triggers and, like, figuring out some of the trauma that I felt. And, you know, this was when she told me, like, you have OCD. You need to understand that you have OCD and you have the type of OCD where... Yes, you like things to be clean, but you also have, you know, the type where you cannot stop obsessing about thoughts, which is me to a T. Like when I get hooked on something or anxious about something, I cannot make it get out of my head for the life of me. I'm getting better at it, but I'm still not great. And it sucks. It really does to, you know, obsess about the same thought that is usually negative over and over and over again. It's like, I basically just feel like I'm beating myself up all the time. Um, But she helped me figure out, you know, a lot of things, especially when it came to the cleaning in my house. And I've realized this too. Like, this is not something I'm going to deal with forever. This is not a reflection on, you know, the way I run my house. This is not a reflection of the way people see me. Like, this is just a temporary thing. And when I'm older and have my own house, like, I can do with it what I want but for now like this is what I'm stuck with and it doesn't help to just waste energy being pissed off and frustrated that the cabinets open or the dishes aren't done because who really cares in the grand scheme of things that's what has really really helped me is comparing my problems to you know a lot of other people's that are much bigger I'm not saying that 
you can't feel your problems and, you know, they aren't not meaningful to you. But for me, I was just like, there's, there are other things that I could be, you know, more concerned about and wasting more energy on. And that's something I still use. That's a tool I still use. Um, so during that time, I just really, you know, did things for myself, tried to figure out what was going on with me. Because uh, the goal was to get off medication. I knew that at the time I needed medication to get me stable and to help me, you know, figure out what I needed to do. And I think that's okay. I know some people have a lot of fear around, you know, starting meds. And like, I totally agree. I don't think that they are the solution, but they are what can get you stable enough to help you figure out how to deal with it on your own without them, if that makes sense. So I started meditating. I started journaling. Saying no was something that I was really trying to work on and my therapist was really pushing me to work on. Um, I was basically trying to set a good morning routine that I would, you know, wake up, go to the bathroom, get some tea, do a little meditating, do a little journaling if I needed. And um, when there were things that people asked of me that I didn't want to do that I would usually always say yes to, which would then cause me, you know, anxiety a lot of the time, I started saying no for myself. And this really helped, really, really helped because I felt like I was doing things that I didn't want to be doing. And, you know, like I used to think that saying no would cause me a lot of anxiety when in reality, like it helped me not have any. And so if you struggle with like having too much of a full plate, which was what was happening to me. Um, it's okay to say no, and it's okay to say no and not have to explain yourself. Like, you don't owe anybody an explanation or an answer as to why you say no, and so just do it and know that they're going to be okay and you're going to be okay. Um, so let me see here. Let me flip my little page. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> with the story, um, I was on meds. Until I want to say April of this past year and things were so much better. My therapy went great. It, it helped me so much. And I, you know, kind of decided like, I think I'm ready to, you know, continue this battle without meds and see that if I can get it under control without them. And I, I was able to do that. And I was at a very, very good place. And I still am at a very good place. And the amount of growth that has happened since April to now is so crazy and so, like, I'm just very proud of myself for being able to, you know, finally feel like I have a hold on this and kind of have a grip on this. And so with that, I kind of want to explain how I know that I'm anxious and what I do, the tips the tricks, the tools for you guys that maybe like these will help you when you're feeling anxious, you know, help relieve some of those symptoms. So when I'm really anxious, I have a weight on my chest usually, like a very heavy rock that makes it hard to breathe a little bit. And my breathing is pretty shallow. Um, my brain, if it's like if, if there's something that's causing the anxiety, like a specific thing, 
my brain will usually get hooked on that thought and continue like repeating it and thinking about it in my head. Um, like for example, a couple weeks ago, like my boss had said something to me or no, had said something to my coworker and she told me and I was going in for work the next day and I knew he was going to bring it up. So I literally could not sleep because I was just so worried about it and thinking about what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do, what if he brings it up, like all this shit. And then he ended up not saying a word, a single word. And it was a problem that was so stupid. It was like about a flavor of gelato or something. I don't know. But I, you know, just hyped and juiced myself up. And then the next day I went and I was like, there was no need for that. Like, why was I doing that? So that shows too, like, I still do struggle with this a lot, but I'm getting better, getting better here. So the obsessive thoughts, I get pretty irritable and tired, very frustrated, very annoyed. Anything anybody does usually like annoys me for some reason when I'm really anxious. And I think that's a very common symptom. Like even the people that I love the most, like things that they do, I'm just like, why? Why are you doing that? Why are you, or why are you doing it that way? Like you're just making me mad. Um, I get very, very, very anxious right before my period starts. I think that has a lot to do with my hormones being like off balance. Um, but I usually try to like, I always know when my period's going to start. And so I try to, you know, take the time that I need and know that like, I'm probably going to have anxiety for no reason, but that's okay. And just do the little things that I need to do. Um, I get shakes and chills really bad when I'm very anxious. That's something that's started happening like this past year. It's so weird. It's like, seriously so weird and it makes me mad when it happens because like I don't want to be you know shaking and literally feeling like I'm in Antarctica when I'm just sitting with a group of friends by a fire like I don't I don't want to feel like that but it's like a physical response that that one I have not figured out how to alleviate but I'm working on it and then I also obviously get irritable bowel syndrome I have IBS that's caused by anxiety um so that one sucks. It's really inconvenient sometimes too when you're in a place where it's like, all right, like I have to go shit now because I'm super anxious and like I don't know where the bathroom is or, you know, this is going to be a bad one and this just really sucks. That one's super annoying and one that I literally cannot control anymore at this point. It's just like something I've been living with for so long that I, I'm just kind of used to it. Um, I don't Sometimes I vomit from anxiety. Not usually. That's like a rare thing, but it has happened to me. And I have passed out one time. Well, a couple times in one one go from being so anxious, so overly worked up. Which that one was really terrifying for everyone else. And for me, for some reason, that when that happened, that was this past year, um, it just like didn't freak me out. And, like, I remember, like, passing out and waking up and everybody was like, whoa, are you, like, okay? Like, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, it's anxiety. It's the usual. Like, it's what happens. Um, but, yeah, that, I don't know why that never, like, scared me that much. I think it's because I was expecting it to happen because I was really, really, really worked up. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that never happens again. I I'm thinking it won't. I think I have a better grip on it. But I just wanted to like share my symptoms because I know a lot of people 
you know, have a wide range of things that they feel when they're anxious. And sometimes it feels like you're in it alone. Like I know a lot of people like they vomit and they're like, why is this happening? Like, I don't feel like anybody else experiences this when they're really anxious. When in reality, like I know a lot of people who throw up from being so anxious. Um, So just know that you're not in it alone. And there are things we can do to help minimize these physical and mental effects. Um, So the first thing that I've been doing for a while now, since my anxiety first started, was taking vitamins. Um, I take a B complex, a vitamin C, a vitamin D, and a K3. I, oh, and magnesium is also really good for anxiety. I personally can't really take magnesium because it makes me go to the bathroom. And I don't need to go to the bathroom more than I already do. But that one is really, really good if you, you know, want to try something before going on meds. I really recommend just like looking into some good vitamins that, you know, can help. Obviously, the D and the K3 are just, D and K3 help with lack of sun. Like you, you just like, you get low on those, especially like where I live in Oregon in the wintertime, like I'm definitely not getting enough vitamin D. And so that just, you know, helps give me a little boost. The vitamin C is good for obviously your immune system. Vitamin B, I'm, or the B complex, I'm not completely sure. I know that your B complex gets depleted when you drink. So like I usually just take that, but I know it also has other good benefits. I don't know. Also, make sure that you're buying vitamins that don't have red dye. I've been doing a lot of research on that, and it's bad in America. Just maybe find a good list or get your vitamins from Europe. I don't know. Um, get off your phone. I feel that this, you know, we don't realize how much of our anxiety sometimes stems from constantly scrolling or being on social media. Just being on technology in general. When you, like, stop going on it and you just, like, get outside or go read a book, those can really help calm your brain down instead of getting it, you know, hyped up from seeing all this shit that you don't need to see on social media. Um, do breathing work and meditation. Meditation, meditating, I guess, or just like listening to um, manifestations is like so calming and so nice and you just feel so good afterwards. I use Insight Timer. It's a free app. There's also Calm that I've heard about. Um, But like either waking up and listening to a 10 minute video or, you know, before you go to bed, if you have trouble sleeping from your anxiety, um, these really just like help you calm your brain down. And a lot of them do include breath work. And so it's like a win-win and they're really, really nice. Uh, I recommend if you haven't tried them, just give it a shot. It's very different at first, for sure. Like, it feels a little weird to just be, like, in your room and, like, in a zen. But I promise it really actually does help. Um, and with that, exercising or going for a walk or, you know, getting outside. When I feel really anxious when I wake up, a lot of the times I just wake up and have no idea why I feel so, you know, anxious, um, I immediately go work out and it helps so much because cortisol gets built up when you're stressed and anxious and the best way to lower your cortisol level is to go exercise and every time I do this, I instantly feel 10 times better. The weight on my chest is so light 
compared to like, you know, when you first wake up. And it's just nice. It's nice to just be able to zone out because usually like when I work out, I don't have intrusive thoughts or I'm thinking about, you know, all the things that have been stressing me out. Those kind of like fade away and I just focus on like my movement or what I'm doing. And it really does help a lot. So go get your sweat on if you're feeling anxious. Um, remind yourself, and this is something I do, that I'm bigger and more than my negative thoughts that I'm having. Um, just knowing that it's not a forever feeling, it's not a forever stressor, it's, this is, you know, just a little bump in the road can be really helpful when you're feeling really down. Just having that ability and brain power to, you know, tell yourself it's okay that you're feeling this way right now, but like these things that you're saying about yourself are not true. They're very negative and, you know, just being positive and starting that um, change in your brain will really help and it will only continue to get better and grow from there once you implant, you know, the, the positive in your brain, if that makes sense. This is something I obviously have a lot of experience with, with my OCD. And I catch myself when I'm being really negative and just, you know, go, you know what? Like, we're done with this. Like, we don't need to think about this anymore. We need to be positive. Um, And it does help as much as it seems like it wouldn't. It actually does. Another thing that helps when your brain is overthinking that my mom told me about that she saw If you zone out, like, your eyes, you know, like, when you stare off, I don't know if, I know a lot of people do this, but when you just stare off and really, like, focus on a particular item or something out in front of you, zoning out like that, you cannot, like, physically, mentally think while you're doing that. There's, like, something in our brains or something. I don't know. She was telling me about it. It works. If you zone out on something... The thoughts stop and you're just like kind of frozen and it helps a little bit for at least, you know, as long as you can zone out for. Um, And so next time you're, you know, struggling or having intrusive thoughts, try that trick out. Let me know if it works because it does actually for me. Um, I make lists of what is stressing me out um, when I'm not doing well and it's nice because then I can look at it and think, okay, well, is there anything that's triggering this? Is there something, you know, that I could, I could do to maybe alleviate some of this stress? Um, so making lists and kind of, you know, figuring out if there's, if it's stemming, if this stressor is stemming from something helps you, you know, get a better grip on how could I fix this? Um, talking to people, anyone that you're close with, or just anyone Anyone you want to talk to about it is really helpful because having having somebody else's perspective um, can, you know, help you see that you're probably being too hard on yourself or, you know, it's something that stresses them out too and you can, you know, come together on that and share your thoughts and feelings. Like just having somebody to let out your feelings and emotions to so that they don't stay bubbled inside is really really helpful and you know whether that be your mom whether that be a close friend whether that be a boyfriend 
like try to find somebody in your life that you you feel like you could invest in and you know keep you just feel like you could confide in basically um for me that's my boyfriend my one of my good friends who also struggles with anxiety my mom um my my mom struggled with mental health too when she was my age and you know it runs in our family it's definitely a genetic thing and so she knows a lot about it she's been living with it you know for 50 years and so she's a good person for me that I can go talk to but just figure out somebody or find somebody and whether that be you know a complete not a stranger but like we just have so many people around us that there's got to be one out there that maybe you could talk to about it and if you're not ready to talk to somebody that's okay too like I don't want you to feel like you have to be pushed you know to go share these things but they do help when you can you know get them out. It's kind of like a weight off your shoulders, a relief. Um, my last three things. Oh, reading or starting a project or staying busy can help too. This is something that I use a lot, not to, and I'm not meaning it like to avoid it, but sometimes like when you're just stressed for no reason or anxious for no reason, um, just staying busy can help you not think about the fact that you're stressed and you don't know why. So I like to read or start a project. Um, basically do anything where my brain doesn't have the ability to think about other shit. <laughs> that's, that's a good tool to, to use. And then my last three are be really positive, know that it will pass, and want to take control. The wanting to take control is something that's really hard to want to do. Like I said, like, I think many of us, you know, when we get in these really anxious, depressive spells, we like to just stay in it for some reason. Um, but finding that will and that courage to, you know, say like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I want to make a change. I, you know, want to figure this out. That's such a huge step in itself to take. But once you do it, it's only going to get better from there. Once you determine that you yourself want to take control of your own brain and make the change to get it in a place that you can be positive and happy in your life, the the hardest work has already been done once you decide to do that. And it can take a while and you know, don't be don't be super hard on yourself if it takes you a little bit to, you know, find that courage and will to do that because it's really hard and um I'm proud of you if if you're thinking about it or if you've done it because I know how it feels too and it takes a lot. And so with that, you know, being really positive through the whole process and knowing that this is not something you're going to be, you know, stuck with and living with your whole life is a really cool thing. And something I want to add just at the very end is that anxiety is not something you have to live with for the rest of your life. It's a disease that we can, you know, break through and combat and figure out. And you shouldn't feel like this is something that's going to dictate the rest of your life because you can come through it and get on top of it and, you know, make it out on the other side and not have it be something that's an everyday battle. The point that I'm at, it used to be an everyday battle. Now I would say it's a, I don't know. 
one in every, I probably have, you know, anxiety once per week now. And twice, maybe. And I can't wait to get that down to, you know, here and there or every other week or every month. But it's like a process that I have to keep building on, keep working on and figuring out, you know, the best ways to cope and, you know, overcome it. And I just want you to know that this is not something that you have to deal with for the rest of your life. You can figure it out and you can, you know, overcome it. So, yeah. That was like a lot. That was like an inspirational speech at the end. Um, But this is just something I'm so passionate about, especially because like I've experienced it myself. I know exactly how a lot of people out there feel. And I just want us to, you know, be able to overcome this. It's something that's affecting a lot of people today. And we can get through it and we can all share, you know, our tips and tools that we use because they probably will help other people. And that's what I wanted um, to do for you guys today. I hope that you can maybe use some of this information um, for yourselves or for people that you know that struggle with this. And yeah, I guess thank you so much for listening. This was a pretty, you know, intense, deeper topic. But if you made it all the way through, I appreciate it. And I will um, see you guys in the next episode. I'm very excited. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye!